Good morning, City Gate. I am glad to be home. And, uh, you know, last week a lot of people thought that I went away because I do go away about this time of the year to relax a little bit. But uh, last weekend was not one of those moments. I preached once Friday night, three times Saturday, and two times Sunday. So it was uh, full of activity, uh, ministry. But we had some guys get saved, and we were very blessed uh, to be at um, New Song Church. And I want to thank their pastoral staff uh, for just welcoming me and allowing me to minister last week. But you guys found out what I always tell you, whether you're here in the building or online, that the staff that I have, uh, the men and women that grace this pulpit, preach and teach much better than I do. And I have heard nothing but great things about Pastor Alex and the word that he brought. So let's give him an ovation of appreciation. And I also want to tell you that many of us this week, we heard Governor DeSantis uh, tell us that we are moving into phase three. And what we've done is over the pandemic, we've tried to follow the path of the restaurants. And in phase three, uh, they have lifted the restrictions to where they can go back to uh, full capacity. Now, along the way, we have been doing our best to gain wisdom from people that have expertise in the medical field, like Dr. Joe and Chris Hansen. And they told me early on, they said, Pastor, when we make decisions concerning this pandemic, this is a race you don't want to win. You don't want to be first, but you don't want to be last either. And so what we've done is we've decided that we are going to target the first Sunday of November. And that means that we are going to evaluate as we move through the month of October um, how uh, our state responds to the lifting of restrictions. That means as we go through October, we may start adding a few more seats. But on November, that means that in first service and second service, um, we are hopeful that we go back to full capacity. That means children's ministry in both services. So if you are available to help uh, in first service or second service in areas of ministry as we move back to full capacity, if you can serve in one of those areas, we appreciate that. And please contact the office, talk to Pastor Don about children's ministry because we need some help uh, going back to what we called somewhat of a normal experience uh, in the presence of God here at CityGate. And while I was away, it was one of those moments where I'd been praying about a series, didn't know when I was going to preach it, but I thought about, man, this would be a perfect time to start a series that we're going to entitle Shadows. You know, here we are, October. And, you know, towards the end of the month, there's that holiday where we, um, you know, kind of have to embrace things that uh, live in the dark and stay in the shadows. And, you know, it's that time where you see costumes like witches and goblins and Dracula and Frankenstein and all those things that we as kids generated lived under our bed, you know, and then when the lights went out, it, it was a scary moment. But I want to talk to you today about things that try to hide in the shadows, try to live in the dark. And my dad taught me something early in ministry as we were dealing with a situation, and it consisted of something uh, that was revolving around rumors. And 
I'll never forget, my dad wanted to teach me a lesson, and he invited me into a meeting that he had with uh, a couple that, you know, um, had participated, and and maybe even unknowingly, in uh, sharing information that wasn't quite accurate. It, It fell under that rumor category. And so I'm young. I don't know what's going on. I'm just in a meeting that I don't even know how to handle, and and my dad, he's just that easygoing, steady Eddie. He's not a yeller. He's not a screamer. He's not, when he gets mad, you don't even hardly know it. You know, he's just that guy, steady. And he looked right across at this couple and he said, you know what? You know, I love you and it's a joy and an honor to pastor you. But what we're going to do today after praise and worship, we're just going to invite you up to the, to the stage. And instead of you having to call everybody in the church individually, we're just going to let you tell them all at one time. And, of course, this was like, oh, no, let's don't do that. And they weren't quite, I don't think that they were really aware that that the information that they were sharing wasn't quite accurate. So I don't think it was uh, something uh, as an evil intention in the heart. And, of course, they repented. They stayed at the church. They, They were a part of the leadership. And it was just a good thing for them and for the church. And when they left, uh, I was amazed that my dad could handle such a delicate situation so uh, graciously and everybody left being blessed. And my dad said something to me that I want to kind of set the stage for this sermon series. He said, son, there's one thing about rumors or lies. He said, they can't handle the the light of truth. And so if you bring them to the light, then they can't survive. But as long as you let them live in the shadows, they have an opportunity to take root in somebody's heart or their life. And so I want to talk today and probably over the next couple of weeks about the subject that tries to, what I believe, tries to prevail in the shadows or in the dark, and that's the subject of fear. And I want us to study today. I'm going to do a lot better job of trying to teach than to preach today, which if you're a guest with us, I do better preaching than teaching. But I'm really going to be vulnerable today and allow God to to talk through His Scripture instead of trying to use my voice. So I want you to, to ask, what kind of fear lives in the shadows of your life? And let's find out what God says through His Word to free us of that. Let's pray. Father, I ask you for the anointing power of the Holy Spirit that makes teaching effective. That God, that we can stand on the authority and the validity of your word and that as your word goes forth, it just stands on its own. That there's no no need for me to try to explain everything. It's just that hope that we have and the foundation and the security that we have through Scripture that allows us to... to conquer fear in our lives once and for all. And so, God, as you illuminate your word today, let me just stand here as a humble servant, somebody that's just going to speak on your behalf and allow the power of the Holy Spirit to do what you've already given us the word that you're wanting to do, and that is to free people to let people be set free. We thank you for those that got saved in first service. And in advance, we thank you right now for those that will be saved in second service. And I give you the praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Can we just give the Lord an ovation of praise?
Do you know what? That the Bible starts in the Old Testament talking about two types of shadows. A lot of times we get a little anxious and apprehensive when we think about the dark or think about shadows. Many of you have heard the stories of mine and Michelle's parenting experience. Our boys are men. They have wives and children of their own. And I'm sure that they are going to take the benefit of what we did right and discard maybe what we did wrong. But it was one of those moments where me and one of my sons were able to sit in the dark. And it was one of those moments where we were aware he was taught and, and God allowed me as his father to teach him that there isn't anything in the dark that wasn't in the light. But he thought that in that moment when the lights went out and he found himself in a dark spot that there were things that could exist in the dark and it would make him anxious. Well, when scripture starts to unfold... And it starts to describe what it means to be in shadows. Did you know that one of the times that in the book of Psalms, which is filled with songs and poems, that God anointed a writer to talk about the shadow of the Almighty? That in that place, it does not bring anxiousness, anxiety, or fear. But it is in that spot where you can become so intimate with God and become so close in proximity that you literally feel. Now, we know because God is omnipresent. And to cast a shadow, you have to be in between whatever the light source is and the thing that is seeing that shadow. And we know God's everywhere. So we know that God could be on all sides, that the sun is not bigger than God. So we know that him casting a shadow is probably a virtual impossibility. And I'm not talking about the human form of God in Jesus. Jesus had a shadow on earth. I'm talking about the omnipresence of God. But what he was telling the writer is he was telling them, there's a place by me in intimacy where you could realize and understand that when you're standing so close to somebody that you are in their shadow and you're that close, I want you to know what you should feel when you get that close to me. And listen to what Scripture says. It says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge, my fortress, my God, in whom I trust. That's Psalms 91, and it's telling us that there's a spot so close to God that you can be in life's crisis, in the challenges of the moments, and be so close to God that you feel He is a fortress, a strong tower, and a refuge. That he is that strength, that anchor that anchors your soul in the midst of crisis. But that's not the only shadow that the book of Psalms talks about. So you got one shadow that should provide you peace, security, and trust and confidence in a God that is with you as you face the challenges of life. And then there's that famous Psalm, that Psalms 23 that talks about another shadow. And this is what the psalmist writes. David writes it, uh, the poem or the song in this way. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. See, 
He's acknowledging that there's an angst that is kind of built in the heart of man that when we start talking about death, that it can cast a shadow that would make us anxious or even fearful. But he is testifying that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. Now, here's good news for all of us that struggle sometimes with fear versus faith. And we're going to talk about that as we move through Scripture a little more. But I want you to understand something. And I'm going to give you a truth right now. And I don't know if you write it down, you highlight it, or you listen to it later. Or just let it find its place in, in your heart as somebody speaks. But I want you to know something. If A lot of Christians are afraid of the devil. I don't know why yet. Because scripture gives us authority over the devil through our relationship through Christ Jesus. But a lot of times when I'm talking about uh, fear in the life of of, of a believer, they are talking about, I'm afraid, and I've heard this over and over, I'm afraid that the devil's gonna kill me. Well, let me tell you a good gospel news if he could kill you, you would already be dead. He would wait until you got in the midst of your greatest failure and then kill you there so you would be identified with that thing. But the devil doesn't have authority over life and death. That's God's position. So when he tells you, I'll kill you, you would say, well, talk with God. He knows how many days I've been numbered. And I, my confidence and my trust and, and my security, my refuge, my fortress is found in him. So a lot of times Christians will fear because the enemy will try to intimidate. And just because he says it doesn't mean it's true. You do know scripture calls him the father of lies. And he tries to make lies believable enough that you believe it's the truth. But you know what? Do you realize that We don't have to really... Sometimes you have to find the depth of God's word to find out the things that unlock what seemingly is the locks in your life that open doors that allow you to see the hand of God in Scripture. But there are other occasions where you don't have to search at all. It just tells you. Did you know that this book right here tells you the cure for fear? I'm not talking about roundabout way it literally tells you what is the cure for fear anybody interested say amen Amen. listen to this it's found in first john and before i tell you what the cure is i want you to know how important the subject of fear is in the bible over 350 times the bible mentions fear 70 of those times it explicitly tells you do not be afraid So 350 times it addresses the subject of fear. 70 times it tells you, do not be afraid. Listen to one of the scriptures that will tell you not to be afraid. It says in 2 Chronicles 32 and 7, it says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or dismayed before the king of Assyria and all the horde that is with him. For there is more with us than with him. 
And what is happening in the context of this chapter is that Israel has amassed a pretty good army. They've got a few weapons. They're really thinking that they're somebody. And all of a sudden, a king shows up from Assyria that has more weapons, more men, and more chariots, and more horses, and more swords, and more spears. And now they're getting anxious. And somebody, a righteous person, stands up and gives that great one of the greatest pep talks of all that is associated with this scripture and it tells him he has more swords more spears more army more horses more chariots but that all represents the arms of men and we will go fight today on the battlefield not with just the arms of men but we go with the arm of God and so with him being with us we will prevail And so many times we start measuring our crisis or our circumstances based upon the strength of ourselves instead of the strength of our God. But then it tells us about the cure of fear found in 1 John 4, 13-18. Listen to the scripture. By this we know that we abide in Him and He is in us. Because He has given us His Spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. Look at your neighbor and tell them, we need Jesus to be our Savior. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love and whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because he As he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. You could literally translate that perfect love cures fear. And what he's telling us is that there's a principle that if God the Father has given us the Spirit of God, that we can be revealed Jesus, his Son, that he sent, motivated not by judgment but by love to the earth, that he could pay a price that we could not pay. And now we stand redeemed, not just redeemed so we don't go to hell, but we have a deposit that the book of John says that we, as the Father is in the Son and the Son is in the Father, He has now given us the Spirit to reveal His Son, and now we have had abiding in His Son, which means we now abide in the Father. And literally it says, you can go all the way to judgment and not be alone. That's what He's telling you. You will never face a crisis, never face a challenge where you will face it alone. And in the confidence of that statement that you don't have to deal with the crisis situations alone under your own strength, under your own intellect, but you now have fellowship that what you go through, God is with you. And he says that love will cast out fear. Because if you just know who's with you, why would you be afraid? Now, you say, Pastor, break that down for me just a little bit before you move on. And I will. How many of you would like to stand? Because I've heard people say, you stand alone at judgment. I hope not. (laughs) Well, and what they're trying to say is you you can't get relieved from the price of judgment based upon your grandma, your mom, your dad, your uncle, your cousin, their experience with God. 
you have to have a personal relationship with God. But I pray that I don't stand before judgment alone. Because what would happen, it's kind of like a court system where the enemy is like the prosecutor and uh, the devil is kind of the accuser of the brethren. And, you know, sometimes his accusations are not false. He's telling the truth. You know, just picture judgment is like, and, and I'm not saying this is what judgment is going to be like. Just humor me a little bit, okay? Let my imagination run away. If you could put every one of your thoughts, your words, your actions, your intent, your feelings on a screen for everybody to see. Because you know that the Bible says that he is aware of every idle word that comes out of your mouth. And he sees everything, not with eyes that looking for you to mess up so he can scratch your name out. No, that's not God. And he's telling us, so the enemy is this prosecutor telling God the Father, which is the judge, that David Pleasant is this, this, and this. He had a bad thought the other day. He's right. <laughs> you know what? David Pleasant, he could accuse me and say, he said a bad word the other day. True as well. <laughs> And man, if you could dig into this messed up thing I call my mind and just think of every thought that comes through my head, say amen, baby. That, there's a, that's a messed up place in there sometimes. She's the one that God has given me to say, every time you think something, you don't have to say it. <laughs> so I'm self-admitting. That if I stood before judgment with a perfect, all-powerful, holy God on my own, I would fail miserably and end up in hell. But I'm not going to be there on my own. According to the book, it says I don't face even judgment alone. But I've got an intercessor, an advocate. I've got a defense attorney that says that all may be true. But Father, oh, I mean judge, remember I took all of that, all of his sin and the sin of everybody on earth to a cross and paid a price that they could not pay, and I broke the chains and the bondage of guilt, shame, and condemnation over their lives, and now I, got, I went to death so they could participate in killing sin, but then I got up so they could have the authority of my resurrection. That's the book of Romans. Paul says that if I participated in my sin's putting Jesus on the cross, I get the benefit of participating in his resurrection. Now that's good news. But have you ever noticed that God, when, when he was putting the Bible together, he will give you a principle like that talked about in 1 John, and he will tell you, I'm never going to let you be alone. You have confidence. You can cast out fear. I'm with you no matter what. Now, sometimes let's acknowledge God feels a million miles away. Amen? But he's faithful to his word that he's never gone. You may not feel him, but I don't serve him because I feel him. I know him. And I know his character would not abandon me in my moment of crisis. So most of the time when God sets a principle in his word, he tells us a story about it. Do you know that there's a story, it's found in Joshua chapter 1, that talks about fear and God being with us. Listen to what Joshua chapter 1 says about Joshua. 
He says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over to the Jordan, you and all the people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, just as I promised to Moses from the wilderness of this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all of the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, just as I was with Moses, so will I be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous. Now here's the one. Listen to this one really good. Be strong and courageous for you. This is God talking to Joshua. You shall cause this people to inherit the land I swore to their fathers to give them. See, when we read the first few chapters of the book of Joshua, he's not a mighty warrior. He's afraid. He's like, when, you, when I read those scriptures to you, it's like the first five or six scriptures in the book of the first chapter of Joshua. He's saying, hey, assistant, you know, you got the benefit of being mentored by the leader. And you were the number two guy, but you could always revert to if it got bad, turning it over to the number one guy. I got some news for you. He died. And now number two has become number one. And now you've got the responsibility. How would you like to follow in the shoes of Moses? You know, let's just read Moses' resume just a little bit. All right, we know the first 40 years he got rescued from a river by the daughter of Pharaoh. He lived in the palace. Then he got involved in an altercation. He killed an Egyptian. He went out into the wilderness for another 40 years. Somehow or another in the second 40 years, he become anxious and fearful, and he was a stutterer by that time, and he walks with a few sheep that don't even belong to him to a mountain, and he sees a burning bush, and this burning bush starts to talk to him out of it and says, I am choosing you to go be the deliverer for my people or you're going to be the voice actually God was the deliverer you're going to be the voice he's like I can't even talk I don't I'm not good at speech I got a little problem God says no you're that guy and we know he goes and faces Pharaoh he calls 10 plagues down people leave after 400 plus years of slavery God uses this man he holds a stick Now, this is a hard resume to follow. Guy holds a stick over the Red Sea. It parts. Some historians say, well, it really didn't dry up. It was only about ankle deep where they were. It was low tide, and the children of Israel walked in the mud across the Red Sea. Okay, let's go with it. He's the guy that held a stick that God drowned an Egyptian army in ankle deep water. He speaks to a rock, hits a rock, water comes out. He prays, bread falls from heaven. He goes to a mountain and sees the finger of God write the Ten Commandments. I don't want to follow that guy. (laughs) Joshua's like, I can't be Moses. He said, good. I didn't intend you to be Moses. He said, I was the God of Moses. And I will be your God too. It's now time to leave yesterday behind and move toward your tomorrows. 
And Joshua, I had a call and a purpose and a mission for Moses. And he fulfilled his call, mission, and purpose. But now it's your time. He's getting anxious because he looks over there and he's like, God, I don't know about this. And and God's telling him, be strong and courageous. Why? I'm with you. I'm taking you over there. You're going to fight a fortified city called Jericho. They've got walls that are impenetrable. You don't have anything to knock the walls down. They have more soldiers, more chariots, more armament. Their military is more uh, professional. But you got me with you. So you've got a choice. And this is one of the, the keys to fear in the people of God. Is that God, courageous people aren't people that have no fear. Courageous people identify where fear exists and they face it anyway. There's not this utopia where you can get where no fear exists. It's facing fear with faith. It's more than our t-shirt. We really believe it. Faith over fear. We've got a choice. And I'm going to just be vulnerable with you. And Dave, if you'll get ready to play me something, just take your time. I've got about five or ten more minutes. I'm going to be honest with you. You know, I still fear every single Sunday speaking in front of you. Every week, I'm a nervous wreck. I eat a bag of cough drops. (laughs) I walk all the way around this building like 10 times just letting the nervous energy get out. Because I'm afraid that when I get here, I'm going to say the wrong thing, do the wrong thing, act the wrong way. And more importantly, weigh the fact that heaven and hell and the eternity of people's lives and souls are hanging in the balance. And that's a weight I never want to let, I I never want, not want, I want to always be a little apprehensive knowing that this moment is bigger than me. But I face it and do it anyway. And do you know what? Sometimes when you face your fear, it changes other people's lives. I got to, email this week we had a young man named Anthony pass away in a construction accident this week and his mother lives in Miami and his mother emailed us or called us and told us just how much Anthony loved CityGate he was saved at CityGate he was going to be baptized with that big group of people that were going to be baptized now he's in heaven it's because you and I experienced the love of God and demonstrated that through the set-free power of the gospel, and it becomes so contagious, it affected a man named Anthony, and now he's in heaven. See, because this is why I brought out the point that God said, Joshua, you can play something, Dave. He said, Joshua, this is going to hinge on how you respond to your fear. He didn't say, I'm going to take the people over. He said, you will take them over to gather their inheritance. He says, if you're fearful, it'll become contagious and you'll you'll try to lead a fearful people. But if you know the truth that I'm not, you can be strong and courageous because I'm with you and I'll never ask you to go do something that I won't go with you. And if you can have confidence in who I am and know that I am more than enough to face the challenges, then your courage and your strength will provide a contagious atmosphere in an army that's undermanned and underpowered to go do what I tell them that they can do.
That's why it's so important for Christians to face this, this thing called fear. See, courage and strength are not enough on their own. He's going to go and tell Joshua, he's going to say, Joshua, you can find success if you become courageous. And here's what I want you to understand, and this is where the message really gets good. How many of you are satisfied with the current condition of the world? I mean, is anybody else watching the news? It's chaos, right? You know God uses courageous people to bring about what should be instead of what is. And most fearful people will always be satisfied with what they have. See, I don't think that this is God's plan for us to live in the chaos that the enemy wants to let everybody know almost nightly that something's going to kill you. I want people to know that God's with you. He's there. He's beside you. Because you ever notice that people that are fearful kind of get frustrated with people that want to demonstrate some courage because they want something that doesn't presently exist and they're willing to risk what they got to get there? Anybody ever heard of Starbucks? Anybody ever drank a Starbucks coffee? Say amen. amen. Now, I did this in first service. I was shocked. I thought my dad would be the only one that amen, but there was like 10 people. How many of you have never had a cup of coffee from Starbucks? Say amen. Okay, so there's a few of you. Yeah. Let me tell you the story of, did you know that the guy that started Starbucks worked for the United States Postal, Office, Postal Service? He made $70,000 a year. That's pretty good living, right? Do you know that he had to quit his job to start his coffee shop? And so he had to have enough courage to believe in an idea that would say, I'm willing to risk my present comfort for something greater. Let me tell you, the brother don't make 70000 anymore. A bazillionaire. But he had to see something that wasn't and that had a potential and his courage would allow him to strategically risk what he had to have something different. I'm not satisfied with going to heaven. I want everybody I come in contact with to go to heaven. I'm not satisfied with just me going. I'm not satisfied with just a few people in a building being free. I want everybody to be free. And so that means we have to sometimes risk our comfort with our courage and our faith. But let me tell you, courage, when God says to Joshua over and over, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, that's step one to success. You cannot successfully perpetuate success with just strength and courage. That's the first step. Faith replacing fear, that's strength and courage. But do you know that he goes on and says there's a part two? Listen to part two. Be strong and courageous. 
For you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be very strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law of Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it from the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then then you will have good success. He said it starts with courage. It starts with strength. It starts with knowing I'm with you, but then it requires obedience. Look at your neighbor and tell them, you got to obey. And the only way we know the boundaries of being obedient is to have the word of God in our lives and in our heart that we allow the the scripture to give us the boundaries of our life. And we shape and bend our life to fit the scripture instead of trying to make the scripture fit us. And he says, if you'll be strong and courageous, know that I am with you. And if you'll be obedient to my word, there's nothing that's impossible for you. So let me tell a story and then we're going to pray. My, one of the greatest faith moments of my life happened right here in this floor. I've told this story, but it'll be new to some. We had an urban outreach at the time that was here on our campus called um, uh, The Bridge. And their board had just voted to close things down. Not throwing any stones. I just felt in my spirit that wasn't right. How are we going to go to young men and women that already have kind of some abandonment issues and say, you know what, this Friday's our last Friday doing this. God bless. Have a good, hope you find someplace safe to go next Friday. And I was just wrestling with this thing, man. And it was like 2.30 in the morning on National Day of Prayer. I was sitting in the floor and I said, God, I don't know how we're going to do this. Because do you realize that God has a mission for you? And I'm not going to pretend that I know every detail about the mission God has you in, but I know one detail about it. You're eventually going to come to a place where you have to face fear. And in that place of crisis where you face fear, you are going to realize, every one of us in this room, the call and the purpose of God, the mission that you're on in your individual life is bigger than you can accomplish. You can't do it by yourself. And at that moment, I see in my imagination, I finally got to that moment. I said, God, I don't know how to do this. I don't even know what we're going to do. All I know is that we're going to start doing it until we run out of money. And God says, I'm glad you've acknowledged, David, that this is bigger than you. But man, be strong and courageous because I'm with you. And you don't have to evaluate your strength based upon the frailty of your humanity. Let's look at this through the eyes of faith and look at this through courage. What can I do with it? And I wish I could tell you that the lights flickered and I got this goosebump feeling and God reassured me everything was going to be okay. I didn't feel nothing. And finally I said amen, went and put on a suit that I very rarely wear. Go over to the National Day of Prayer and that whole thing. I, you know, I don't want to get started on that. <laughs> And then I go to the hospital. I change out of my suit, put back on my jeans. I go to the hospital. I'm not even looking for the people that God used. I'm visiting somebody else. 
And I see them, they say, man, we've been meaning to get with you. Come see us after you get done doing whatever you're doing. I said, okay. And I walked over there and I prayed for the person that was sick. And then I went back down there and found this couple. They handed me a white envelope. I stuck it in my right back pocket, the one I stick my phone in. And I was just sitting there and I'm like, okay, God, you know. And I talk with them and I think, well, maybe it's an offering. You know, they forgot to put their tithe in last week and I stuck it in my pocket. And I was just like, you know, I talked with them. They shared their need. We prayed together. I forgot that it was in my pocket. I come back to the office. I'm doing something. I grab my phone to put it in my right back pocket. I put it in there and fill the envelope. I pulled it out. It was a $50,000 check. It was the whole first year's budget. Now that's a miracle. That's having faith over fear and knowing that God is with us and that he's bigger than I am because I can't write a $50,000 check. But the, the, the success is not just getting it started. It's not having enough courage and strength to get it started, but to have a faith of obedience. We were faithful in the first year. You know we're in year, I think, six now. That every year God supplies... Every year lives are changed. Every year we face fear with faith. Every year we believe that God is with us and it casts out fear. It cures fear. The moment that the enemy will get you in the floor in your moment of crisis, when you realize your life is bigger than you and he looks at the enemy looks at you and says, look, you are on your own. You don't have enough resources. You're not going to make it. That's when faith arises and says, no, 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 brother, I I am not alone according to first John it says I can go nowhere all the way to judgment where I find myself outside the abiding presence of an almighty God and this budget may be big for me but it ain't big for him I found out he owns the cattle on the thousand hills I found out that he could send groceries to those that are hungry checks in the mail love where the people feel unlovable what do you let live in the shadows under the banner of fear David will you worship
with fear, with, faith, with the faith and the confidence that you are not alone, that he is with you. He will not forsaken you or abandon you. And more importantly, he loves you. This love is the perfect love that casts or cure fear, cures fear. God has all of us on a mission, but to have success in that mission, we must have the word of God in our hearts and in our minds and do what is commanded of us through obedience. He will call you to moments of confrontation with fear because you know deep inside you can't do what he calls you to do by yourself. But remember these words God spoke to Joshua. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go with every head bowed and every eye closed sometimes people come into this room and they feel inadequate because they know the frailties of their humanity and they know the power and the bondages of sin in which they've participated in and they try the enemy tries to convince them that God if he really knew who they really were he would reject them but I'm telling you that's a lie He's telling you to dispel the fear of meeting God in an intimate way based upon your behavior. The Bible says he loved you when you were yet a sinner. He loved me when I was a sinner. And he loves you right now. And so you don't have to fear meeting God. It's time for some to come home. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Maybe you've always been afraid of what other people think. Maybe you've been in that moment where you thought that God was for other people because they were better than you. That's, that's another lie. That he died and paid a price for other people, good people. But no, he died and paid a price for real people like me and you that were broken and bound by sin. So nobody's looking around but me. And I want to give you an invitation to meet the Lord this morning by experience the power of that love that will cast out all fear and that from this moment forward you will never face a day. Now I'm not going to preach that every day is going to be good. But what I am going to do is tell you when you face the worst day of your life and the challenges seem to be insurmountable, you will not face another day alone. He will be with you. So with that said and the invitation to be given, who wants to dispel the fear 
that God would reject them by saying, I am ready to have God in my life in such a way that he will never leave me or forsake me and I can have confidence and I want to surrender my heart to the Lord today. Will you raise your hand? I see hands already up. Oh, wow. Thank you for those hands. Thank you. Thank you for the hands. They're going up in the balcony. They're going up on the floor. They're going up everywhere. Thank you for those hands. Now you can put your hands down and I need everybody to look at me. If you had your hand up just a moment ago, I can't pray for you, but I can certainly pray with you. You say, Pastor, I don't I may not even know how to pray. It's easy. All you need to do is acknowledge. Just say, you know, Lord, you're Jesus. You're the Son of God. You died a death that paid for the power of, uh, to break the bonds of the power of sin in my life. I'm going to receive that as you being the love of the Father sent to me through his Son. I'm going to ask you to forgive me of my sins. And at that moment, your sins are as far as the east is from the west. You don't have to live one more instant under condemnation of guilt about what you used to be or how you used to do it. it It's more about what he's doing right now of liberating and redeeming you and bringing you into the family of God. We call it the spirit of adoption where you become the sons and daughters of the Most High through the heirship of Jesus. And because he died, you can have life. And because he resurrected, you can have an inheritance. So make it easy. Just say, Lord... I'm going to live for you for the rest of my life. I'm going to turn away. That's what repentance means. I'm going to turn away from my old life and lifestyle. When I fail, when I fall short, love me anyway. But I'm going to start pursuing the righteousness of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And I'm going to become more Christ-like every single day. You know what? Even after you pray, you're not going to be perfect. And guess what? After 26 years of ministry, I'm not perfect either. But I still am loved. So let's pray together. Father, you saw the hands. You saw the faith. They have fought this moment of fear of what people would think or what they would say. And God, the the enemy tried to convince them that you would reject them. But that hand meant, I'm in need of a Savior. And right now, they are repenting. And that means more than words. They're more than going through a spiritual Simon says. They are literally turning away from their old life and their old habits. And they're going to start pursuing you. And you're going to love them through the process. They will never face another day alone. They will never have to walk out of another room condemned by the guilt and the shame of their past sins. Now they're forgiven. They're brought into the family of God. And I give you the praise and honor and glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Can we celebrate that? Now, here's the most important part. If you had your hand up, I know you're already saved. You don't need to be any more saved. (laughs) But sometimes it takes an act of faith. But I want you to see. I don't want anybody to close their eyes. How many of you will make a commitment? that you're going to say, you know what? I have some things I've been afraid of. I have anxiousness and I have anxieties and I, I, I was trying to measure those things I was anxious about based upon my own strength. But now I know I've been reminded as, the, as a Christian, I am not alone. He is with me. And I could be strong. How many of you could be more strong and courageous? Raise your hand. How many of us need a, 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 just a, a moment to be set free from whatever that fear was binding us? So 
if one of you that will be that wants to be set free will be the first one out of your seat those 10 or 11 people that raise their hand to get saved they're they're going to blend in and they're going to come forward too just as an act of faith to say you know what god i'm celebrating who you are so will you join me down in here for one final prayer if you want to be free from those things that we got the word if you're struggling with depression anxiety those things that that will try to measure you versus your circumstances if you raise your hand get out of your seat nobody's going to know what you're coming for say could it be this easy yes you don't have to earn God's love he loved you when you were a mess when I was a mess does he want you to jump through three hoops to get free no we're just going to accept that he's with us and that we are never again going to measure our present circumstances based upon the frailty of our humanity we're going to measure it first in who we are and then we're going to measure it against who he is That keeps us humble. Amen. So let's experience our freedom right now. We want to, just like we believed, every person that raised their hand, let's do this as an act of faith. You know those people, how many of you believe they got saved? Say amen. So 100%. Why wouldn't God set you free from whatever it is that chains and binds you right now? Why would we think anything less? So your moment is right now. Father, in Jesus' name, we declare the authority of the kingdom that as you forgiven and separated the sinner from their sin and now made them children of the Most High, Father, you know what every hand represented. You know what every life up here represents. You know what they were afraid of before this sermon. You know what they had anxiety about. You knew what lived in the shadows of their own lives. But, Father, right now we declare that there's not a moment, whether it's in the dark or in the light, that you are not with them. On a good day and on a bad day, you will never forsaken or abandon us. That we never have to measure ourselves against ourselves, but we measure the circumstances we presently find ourselves in against the sovereignty of an almighty God. We give you praise for who you are. You are the God of Joshua. You are the God of Moses. And today you're the God of City Gate, meeting with each and every individual saying, as long as they have faith to believe that you are their king and that you will never abandon or forsaken them they never have to walk through another challenge alone break the chain of depression break the chain of anxiety break the chain of a bondage break the chain of what what was of fear in Jesus name and we give you the praise honor and glory in Jesus name now folks when you put your hands together and act like God